Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, Sirius XM, Channel 141, 96.3 HD2 and 98.3 FM. This is the Inside Segment. I'm Harold Fisher. The U.S. Census Bureau says non-white D.C. residents continue to experience poverty at a higher rate when compared to their black and brown counterparts. The American Community Survey released last month found the poverty rate for black residents remained highest, 21.3% last year. Now, that's down from uh, 27.7 in 2021. Unemployment remains a stumbling block for blacks. That rate stood at 9.6% last year. Now, white unemployment in the district stood at 1.4%. Now, behind numbers like this are real people and situations that are crying out for help. And tonight we sit down with the United Way of the National Capital Area to talk about Project Community Connect, their annual outreach to help the region's working poor. My guests are Eden Gordon. He is the Vice President for Community Impact and Engagement. And Scott Mingabeer, Director of Research and Evaluation. And also you, our listeners, give us a call at 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. You can X me at H. Fisher, W-H-U-R, or find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Guys, thanks for, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us, Harold. Sure thing. Let me first ask you... Ian, this is the ninth year for for this this event, this project community connect. And I I want to get into that in a bit, but who is this project designed to help? So Harold, as you just mentioned, there's been you know increasing disparity between uh, folks in with that throughout our region around. Uh, really finding the resources to be able to make ends meet. So we've really uh, called that out as ALICE. It's an acronym that means Asset Limited, Income Constrained, Yet Employed. And those are folks who are working two, sometimes three jobs, trying to make ends meet. And they're one uh, serious incident away from uh, perhaps being homeless or really losing it financially, losing financial ground. And so this really is to support the Alice population, those are folks that we know there are, you know, family, neighbors, you know, friends, co-workers who are really struggling and trying to, you know, make ends meet. And we've really been able to uh, count that number. And, you know, it's almost 500,000 households in our region that, that, uh, you know, are in that category as as Alice. Mm -hmm. Scott, where is the need most uh, focused, and when I say that, when you're talking about households, is it housing insecurity? Is it food? Is it employment? Is it health care? What's the biggest need? Great uh, question there, Harold. Um, if you pull on one thread, it all connects to the others, right? If you are looking at what a an income in this area is happening for uh, so many people, um, they are going to find that they have to make difficult decisions on one end or the other, right? If they say, okay, I'm going to prioritize, make sure the rent is paid, the bills are paid, they're going to find themselves uh, having to skip a meal or reduce what they're eating, right? We found um, that even just last year, 
uh, 1.2 million people who were surveyed reported that they didn't know where their next meal was going to be coming from, right? And that's just in the region. So where the need in comes... In this region? In this region, yeah. This is coming from the Capital Area Food Bank. They surveyed um, everyone and, you know, a large amount of people uh, in the region across the national capital area. And they really went um, to talk to the Alice population that Ian mentioned and found that 32% of them uh, were going to be food insecure, Right. And from that, you're looking at 44 percent um, identify as black, 27 percent. So almost a third is Hispanic um, and versus, you know, and, and oftentimes 42 percent, nearly half of them have children in the household. So obviously the thing is, is that the need comes in being able to take care of your family and make those uh, decisions that are going to make sure that you can get from one day to the next. But layer in the fact of what that decision means in terms of medication, whether you're going to skip a, a, a doctor's visit or if you're going to make sure that you got uh, enough for the kids to be able to eat uh, on the, you know, put enough of the food on the dinner table. It's going to be the stress of it, you know, the stress of what is going to be next month? How am I going to make those, uh, those, things, those things come together? And how can I get some more resources to help me alleviate some of this financial hardship that I'm experiencing? I remember when the United Way, the, the National Capital Area came in this was during the pandemic and suffice it to say that things were rougher than rough mm-hmm. because the organizations that you are affiliated with were really struggling because people were out of work there were all of these questions about rent and the like, and of course the the emergency rooms were filled, you know, because of COVID and all of that. But I think the thing that really struck me the most was that the organizations that people really, really depended on mm-hmm. were were knocking at your door saying, look, we need we need more help. Have things improved? Have things changed any since the pandemic? And I use air quotes ended. You know, things haven't really ended. I think the, what the pandemic taught us was that those who were holding on by a thread before, unfortunately, were in a worse situation. Uh, the organizations that were, you know, traditionally there to, to provide the safety net themselves needed support. Uh, and so it is an ongoing, uh, you know, issue and, and concern for us to support organizations that are supporting the, the general public. Uh, and so that continues. Uh, but folks continue to do what they can. Um, they stretch. They dig deep. Uh, we rely on each other. Um, you know, Scott uh, shared inf- uh, information from the Capital Area Food Bank uh, when we were um, in a similar situation, uh, you know, pre-pandemic last in 2019 when the, the close to government shutdown. We reached out to our partners like uh, the Capital Area Food Bank, like Catholic Charities, um, like Northern Virginia Community Services to really band together to support the community. And so what we find is that coming together 
and as an organization that is a convener, collaborator, and catalyst, the United Way of National Capital Area uh, fits that role to really bring the community-based organizations together to support the community. And that's really actually where we kind of lean into the gap, because we've seen this gap around the prices inc- increasing and the income not being able to kind of keep up. And where the benefits had been available, had been actually rushed into the fill the void, right, during mm-hmm. the pandemic, right. are now starting to ease back and, and widen that gap. Um, families, you mentioned NOVA, uh, the North uh, Virginia Family uh, Center, and the resources that are being provided there. They've been reporting anecdotally that families who had been easing out of uh, that type of support from their resources are starting to come back. Why? Did they say why? End of the SNAP, SNAP benefits, right? The fact that certain uh, tax credits and tax benefits and programs are sunsetting because of the lack of renewal uh, at the legislative part, and the the community organizations are stepping in to help support those families. What we're seeing here, and that's where really want to focus on supporting the populations through Project Community Connect, is that there's a lot of families who are working hard. They're paying their taxes. They're doing what they can, and yet they still seem to be, you know, things don't seem to be easing up for them, right? They still seem to be struggling and bringing those resources to let them know, hey, the community is here. The community can provide those resources and those, you know, channel the funds and the resources that are still available to you to help support your family so that you can not have to make those difficult decisions on a month-to-month basis is really at the key key of what we're trying to achieve. 202-319-7810-202-319-7810. I'm talking to the United Way of the National Capital Area. This is the ninth year of the Project Community Connect. It is their annual outreach to help the region's working poor. We're going to get into that a little bit deeper in just a bit. But if you have a comment, if you have a question about resources or assistance that you or maybe somebody that you know may need, uh, lines are open. Give us a call at 202-319-7810-202-319-7810. Scott, what impact has inflation had on the population that needs help? It has been, it has been increasing that pressure. It's been putting on, it's turning up the heat a little bit, right? In terms of how people are trying to adjust to this very uncertain, unprecedented times that we live in, right? You know, folks have been coming out of a pandemic era and with the type of fluctuation in the job market and the changes and the shifts, you know, doesn't feel like solid grounds under their feet. And what inflation has done has made things even more feel even more unsteady and uncertain and unsure. And what we've seen actually is that the CPI, which basically tracks how inflation is going over across the country, has been going up at a regular rate, 2.5% each each year. In fact, in this area, when you strip it out and you just look at those core things, those things that are, are the populations we work with are just really concerned about on a month on a daily basis, their housing, their health care, child care, transportation, just making sure that they have they can afford their smartphone plan each month. That has actually been going up at a higher rate than the national average, 3.1%. So with the year-over-year increase of, of, of wages over time, that hasn't been able to keep up, even though it should. You see what I mean? So in fact, what you do see is that you try to pour in a little bit of resources to help fill the gap. It just feels like you know water filling in the sand, you know, and there's just more problems after that. You know, those are obviously the, the hard black and white numbers, but I was... Just thinking, as you were talking, just being in the grocery store just this weekend and 
there was a mother and her daughter and she was saying, you know, mom, can I get a bag of whatever it was? I don't know whether it was potato chips or popcorn or what have you. And she reached down to the bottom shelf and she pulled the back up, bag up and the mother said, no, you, we're going to put that back. She said, oh, mom, can we? She was like, no, I'm not paying all that money for a bag that's smaller than it was a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And, and I just, it, you know, my ears kind of perked up because the first thing I thought was, oh, my God, that, that's a sound bite right now when we're talking about the kinds of things that 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 working people i don't i don't know whether she would be in the working poor the alice category but we obviously you were talking about a mother this mm-hmm. was in suburban baltimore who was watching every dime in and saying i know that the bag of popcorn or whatever it was is smaller this year than it was a couple of years ago and may cost the same or more. Mm-hmm. Harold, that's an excellent example of getting less for more. And that is the, the, the pinch that folks are feeling, that you are putting out um, you know, dollars, you're spending, and you're getting less and less for what you are, you're spending. As you're the, so it's, it's really what, what Scott was talking about, the power of your, your spending power, right? How much money you have to spend, how you have to stretch that. And the choices that have to be made, and quite honestly, those are choices that none of us want to make. Choices between, you know, your um, prescription and food, right? Or, you know, gas to put in the car or paying, you know, the cell phone bill. And we all know that cell phones are pretty much do everything right today. So those are the choices that folks have been uh, making for a long time, but it's becoming more and more uh, critical in terms of the choices that, that they're making. Before I go to a break, and, and by the way, Erica calling from Virginia, don't go anywhere. We are going to talk to you. But I, I want people to know that you do have, you actually have three events coming up for Project Community Connect. But the, the first one is coming up when and where? The first one is coming up this Friday, October 6th at The Ark. That's 1901 Mississippi Avenue in Southeast. Uh, and we are bringing to that parking lot a plethora of resources for folks uh, east of the, the Anacostia River in, in Washington, D.C. to come out. Uh, we'll have health care services, rent and utility assistance. We'll have you know, things to, for, for folks who are food insecure. Uh, there'll be workforce development and much, much more. So encourage folks to come out. It's from noon to 4 p.m. Uh, this Friday, the ARC. Uh, over 19, it. 1901 Mississippi Avenue Southeast and and that's just the first one we're going to tell you about the other ones after the break but also as always we'll be posting the website on our website on whur.com so that those who are interested um, in sharing that information or coming out to receive some help some support some information we will make sure that you have access to that information. Erica calling from Virginia. Stay with us. Don't hang up. Lines are still open at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Stay with us. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That's on WHUR. This conversation with the United Way of the National Capital Area. We're talking about 
Project Community Connect. We'll be talking about it more in just a few seconds. Welcome back to The Daily Drum on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. Tonight we're talking to the United Way of the National Capital Area about Project Community Connect. It's their annual outreach to help the region's working poor. They've been doing it for nine years now, and it's going to be bigger and more important than ever for people in the DMV who really need help and support to stay on their feet. My guests are Ian Gordon, Vice President for Community Impact and Engagement, and Scott Mingabeer, Director of Research and Evaluation. Lines are open at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Erica calling from Virginia. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Good evening. So um, I was calling to say that, you know, I am a member of the working class, middle class, um, I would say, but it's also been a struggle for me, um, you know, to take care of those things that I need to, a mom of three boys, you know, and it's definitely been a struggle. And I am, um, you know, they say, oh, your income is too high to receive um, a lot of those benefits that are there, like even during the pandemic. You know, I didn't, um, I got maybe like $100 or $200 when they were giving people, you know, the assistance. So it is also the middle class who is feeling the crunch of the inflation, of the prices, of, you know, the cost of everything from gas to groceries. It's just a tremendous burden. You know, and, and I have my guests respond to that, but... Erica, I think you you really bring up another important point because, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Listening to you sounds like the people that I was talking to on this program after the the mortgage crisis back in, you know, 2008, 2009, 10 where you had solid middle-class people who, because of the mortgage crisis, uh, lost their homes and, and the like and were were pushed into the same kind of difficulties that you're, you're talking about. And I, I'm particularly struck uh, by that because even for, as you said, the middle class, you know, times are, times are rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, Ian, no, go, yeah, go ahead. I'm an educator. Um, yeah. I've been in education for a long time, and I mean, I think I make decent money, but as a single mom, you know, having to, you know, gone through a divorce and all of that, it's definitely been a challenge, you know, mom to mom to make ends meet and to make those tough decisions about what you're going to get when you go into that grocery store, you know, it's like, okay, this is what we are budgeting, this is what we have, and that's it. Erica, your your example is exactly uh, what this is all about and why we talk about Alice is because there is this, uh, you know, misunderstanding that folks uh, who need help are folks who are either not working or um, are in poverty. And that certainly is the case. But there are far too many um, of us who are working day to day, as you mentioned, middle class and are still finding it hard to make ends meet as prices go up, 
as wages stagnate, um, it really does open up a whole another set of of you know as i mentioned friends neighbors you know colleagues who are really in this situation and that really is the gap that that we see that that exists and part of our work is to really prevent erica from slipping further and further and so that's mm-hmm. what this is really about it's really about how do we ensure that folks who uh, are not the face of um, you know, needing support, whatever folks determine that that looks like, it really is much broader and it, it's, it's, it's reaching far too many of, of us who typically it wouldn't. Mm. Erica, thank you so much for your phone call um, and, and the best uh, of luck to you. I appreciate uh, your time. You know, one of the things, Scott, when you talk about housing insecurity, as you know, living in the DMV and particularly in DC proper, that rents are just disrespectfully expensive. <laughs> I mean, there's just no other way to put it. And because even you know, years ago in in the in the DC metro, you could you could have you know a, a decent job. Mm-hmm. Uh, not you know not a job you know where you were making a ton of money but you could have you could be a you could be a working stiff as they used to say mm-hmm. uh, without a second job and you could afford an apartment mm-hmm. in in a in a community where there weren't a whole lot of other issues but the world has changed mm-hmm. housing inflation and and so many other other things, you know, based on the kind of research that you you've done, what what are you seeing as 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 having changed uh, in 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 the DC metro? Well, just to your point, that things are just getting out of control, right? And that as far as what we are, you know, there was a report that came out recently that there are uh, a majority of folks, and a lot of them are younger folks who are living in the area, are spending up to 50% of their income uh, uh, towards rent, you know, and, and that's just in D.C. alone. And that's pushing and displacing a lot of folks, people who have been living in these communities for, for decades, that they're bringing up their families in these decades. They just can't stay in the area. They can't afford to stay in the area, not to mention businesses that are getting pushed out because of the the knock-on effect of, of increasing rent and and leasing, right? And at 50%, you're extremely cost burden, right? Which means that you are like back up against the wall, unable to make even those conscientious decisions about what you're going to be spending your, your budget on your, and how you're going to be stretching it across, right? So the change has come violently and, and much so more in a fact that you can't even look back to the past and say, hey, this is how we were doing it before, because this is completely new and different, you know, as a distinction of the, bo- you know, rock bottom interest rates that then precipitated a major change with the pandemic. And now we're in this other uncertain place where folks who are kind of staying were staying put because they don't know whether they should get up and move or how that can that kind of natural change that you would see not to mention that we also have an increasing in um, aging population 
that need our help, right? They are folks who are getting older in DC in the metro area who are not having access to the same resources, similar resources that Erica was speaking to, is that they might be living on a fixed income and may be unable to move from there. So that then creates this sort of bottleneck, if you will, right? Where folks who are trying to get it a foot in the la- on the ladder, either in terms of renting or owning, are now pressed upon all the folks who aren't moving ahead because they themselves are faced with those same sort of difficult choices about how can I either trade up, trade a, trade down, trade across so that I can still find that kind of stability and that kind of comfort across. And that's just with housing. You, you, you talked about older people. What about younger people? Oh, man. Over 80% of the younger population, 18 to 25, are considered to be part of the Alice population. So the Alice population, like um, Ian was saying earlier, is that you, you go to the grocery store, most of the people you're going to be looking in the eye are going to be having to make a decision about whether they need to get a second job, whether they're going to have to make some hard decisions about you know how they're going to get their transportation so they can get to work. These are the Alice population themselves. And we're talking about 80% of the 1825 in this area are unable to make the income that would be able to to fill the gap between what it costs to really live in this area and what their income is coming at for just a single person, you know, young person coming out of college, got a college degree, paying their taxes, ready to work, ready to, to make their life in, in Washington, DC need to be earning over $25 an hour in order to be able to afford living in the area. And there's so many jobs that folks are out there, you know, working as hard as they can and are not going to be able to make that. You know, it's $17 in Washington, D.C. That's actually a really great rate. And that's at a starting level for folks who are getting started in their career. So there's really a challenge there and being able to figure it out. Do I get a second job? Do I do a side hustle? What am I going to sacrifice? Time, energy, um, you know, my well-being, my mental well-being and being able to find that kind of stability. You know, Ian, you talked about the first event at the ARC on Mississippi Avenue Southeast uh, coming up on Friday. And I'm sure all of them are going to have this, but you talked about workforce development. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is going and they are looking for a job, a first job or a, a job or a second job, I mean, what are the chances that they could find, that they could be successful in finding something? Well, we'll have on hand our financial empowerment centers. We have five financial empowerment centers across the region. One of them, the one in D.C., will be located, uh, will be present to really begin that uh, journey uh, to really figure out where do folks want to get to in terms of their financial journey? uh, What... uh, you know, big goals do they have? And then what are the next steps to be able to to get to that? So if it is about another job, uh, it probably, conversation will probably start with what skills do you have? What skills would you like to acquire in order to get that job? So it's a journey that they can can go on um, with folks at the Financial Empowerment Center. So there'll be folks there to be able to to support them in that way. What else would be there? Uh, because Financial Empowerment Center sounds more than, man, I need a job. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely way more than that. So it really is, uh, there are lots of services. I mean, whether it is about, as you, we talked about home buying, do you need to clean up credit to be able to make that next step? Is it about budgeting? balancing making the difficult decisions how do you do that is it about you know if you're facing the decision as as the caller mentioned about buying gas or paying down student loans for instance or or you know paying a health health bill well how do you start that process and so there are qualified folks there to be able to walk people through making many of those decisions Uh, and so there really is a lot of services around 
how folks are, um, their relationship with money, their ability to um, increase their earning potential, but also some of the decisions that that are being made or need to be made around managing money uh, to get them to the next next stage. And you had a um, guest on yesterday, Miss um, Smith, who was speaking about right, from right. blacks in government mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and speaking about how so many federal employees were living paycheck to paycheck. And, and her recommendation was about, you know, increasing your savings and, you know, deleveraging debt. And thanks for listening. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and finding community. I mean, the thing is, is that the Financial Empowerment Center is really a place in the community that's built within the community to support the community, right? So Erica, I hope, you know, if you're still listening, head out to our Financial Empowerment Center in Virginia. We have one for you. And this is where you could go to find those type of resources because obviously it's easy to say, hey, you just need to increase your savings. Well, if already I'm stretching my paycheck from month to month to be able to make and cover just the bare essentials, not even thinking about savings or paying down student debt or anything like that, how am I going to be able to leverage resources to help me? And that is exactly where you're going to find the Financial Empowerment Center, either this Friday or at one of our places across the region, there is just walk in, walk up. There's ways of a- accessing it virtually, in person. Um, you can have workshops or you can join even cohort programs where you're going to find people who That's are right. in the same position as you. This this sounds considerably more complex and, and sophisticated <laughs> when compared, and I'm talking about the availability of resources, than when our our news team attended the event at the uh, stadium armory uh, years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, What was it now you may have had, I don't remember a financial empowerment center. Uh, Is this a a newer thing? And and if so, what was the genesis of, of kind of diversifying the resources? So nine years ago, as you mentioned, that was project homeless connect, right? And so we were, Ah. that was a special outreach to those who were um, housing insecure, who might be on some spectrum spectrum of of either, you know, whether it's living in a car, living in a shelter. What, but really, that was the focus. What we what we realized was we have not by any means abandoned uh, that those folks. But what we realized is that the needs are much greater. Uh, and the first, as the first caller mentioned, that there are folks struggling across the the the, the region and at all quote-unquote, income levels, finding it hard to meet. So this really is an expansion on that that we started, and that was just an evolution over time. The Financial Empowerment Centers, uh, we've been doing those. I think our oldest one is around seven or eight years old, Mm -hmm. and that really is, again, this uh, one-stop, you know, ability to get the resources that you need. And and when the, the... Financial Empowerment Center, as Scott mentioned, is online or you can walk into one of our brick and mortar centers. But within that center, there are several other organizations and resources that they can point you to um, to, to get all the, the needs that you you have, all your needs met. So there is a, a sense that once you get walk through the door, there's an intake to folks meet you where you are, see what your your, your needs are and then together you you map out a plan to get you to where you want to so it really is an evolution harold and 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 much more inclusive than where we started and and you know you do these things and you learn you listen to the to the community and then you you retool and and revise what you're doing which which brings me to my next point when you talk about listening to the community and this you know scott may be your wheelhouse Mm -hmm. Uh, what what have you heard from the constituency, what not just the the individual people, but also the organizations that 
that are supportive of, of the people in need. Oh, we're hearing it from all levels. We're not just hearing from the, I mean, the community is the voice that was at the center of all of this, but we're hearing from the community-based organizations and service providers that are that are supporting them, as well as municipal governments that are trying to figure out a way to serve everybody, right? And everyone has the same message, right? Which is that you can't attack this, you can't tackle these issues in silos. You can't tackle them as single issues. They're interconnected. They're holistic because families are complex. They're they're interweaved and woven. They're they're embedded in the community and the fabric of that and the social fabric of it is interconnected. So that's why our Project Community Connect events are co-located around those major community institutions. Um, the ARC hosts child um, Children's Hospital, Children's National there, right? The healthcare institution. You have a number of different community partners that are all there to address all those different needs and issues simultaneously and to say that, hey, we're going to meet you where you're at. You're going to tell us what it is and we're going to help address those core underlying roots that are really at the you know, at the at the heart of what's what's uh, being the big major challenge for you, the one in uh, October sixteenth um, is eighteenth is at Montgomery College, and so we're embedding ourselves right in the educational institution, and then of course we're going straight to the the major one of um, Gunston Middle School in Arlington to help reach the families right around the institutions, and that's where we really find that we the sweet spot that we got there is that. The challenges that these families are facing is multi-generational, intergenerational, and they're interwoven. So education, health, and economic opportunity need to be addressed simultaneously. If you go into our financial empowerment center, you're talking about workforce development or helping support your credit, ease your servings because you want to get a better housing situation. Well, that's connected to education, right? How you're supporting your children, how you're getting them access to those after-school programs, how are you elaborating your time to be able to do that? It's to health. How are you getting those health resources and addressing those things upstream, making sure that you're getting into those proper nutrition programs, those uh, healthy habits early on so that the family is able to address those and that you're not hindered by these in an ongoing, you know, multi-generational, historically, uh, you know, uh, underserved populations have been facing, you know, and across the region. You said you, you've also heard from municipalities. I was struck by that. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? They're saying that it's it's the the uh, it's the economy, silly, you know. So that's what they're saying, really, is that it comes back down to the idea is that the resources that we were able to provide during the pandemic worked. It worked. It managed to bring community back to where the government and the community themselves can collaborate, and that means not providing restrictions, not providing programs that are going to, um, you know, limit who has access to what under what conditions. It's about just making sure that the resources are in the trust and the pockets of the families to be able to take care of their their own right and that we've seen with a number of um, municipalities across um, you know from Prince George's to Arlington to Fairfax and in Washington DC uh, a close partner of ours as well about all of those things and saying hey how can we open up the floodgates of these resources that we want to get to the population in a way that a trusting relationship is built right one that's built around communication and centering the voice of the community in informing what is being taken done and sometimes that just requires bringing those resources together in a sort of way that you would uh, lead an orchestra. And even with all of the communities and populations that need this support, not only for those who are in the most difficult situations, you know, those that are, are homeless, but even the, you know, the, the working poor, but because there is so much wealth here, and the optics of so much wealth here, does that make this job 
more difficult? It doesn't make it more difficult, but what it calls for is uh, reframing how we look at, um, you know, I'm not going to say poverty, but how we look at folks who are struggling. Because we have to redefine that, and that's what Alice is all about. And as as I keep going back to the first call, you know, Erica, I mean, she she really hit the nail on the head by you know sharing her example. One, the 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 a struggling family, a struggling individual in this region does not look like or isn't a struggling individual in another region because exactly. of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because of that. Ex- and the reason that i i think your your point is so well stated is because you can have people who may come from another region mm-hmm. and they may say there are no jobs here you know i do have an education or i do have skills and if i'm in a you know, an exurb or a an almost rural community in, in western or, or southern Virginia, mm-hmm. I'm going to go because I know the salaries. Mm-hmm. If I'm a, if I'm a carpenter, if I'm a bricklayer, right. and let's say, I, or even a plumber, and I'm going to be making eighty dollars an hour. Well, eighty dollars an hour in, in in southern Virginia, that's a lot of money. But if you come to D.C. or to Prince George's or to Fairfax and you and you come out and you're making $80 an hour and you work all week and then, you know, or what have you, and then you get that paycheck. And, and as Scott said, oh, my goodness, how much is rent here? <laughs> yeah, and exactly that means right. that, you know, $40 of that $80 is going to rent. And then did you see the did you see the cost of that bag of popcorn yeah. at the at the grocery store that that I'm not going to buy now? Not to mention uh, utilities. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me started. And, and so I, this is really hard because when you talk to people outside of the D.C. metro and they oh my God, well you're you're making seventy five thousand dollars a mm-hmm. year, but when but when a one bedroom in a decent community is $2,000 a month, mm-hmm. not to mention if you are a single parent and you have children mm-hmm. and or young children, you have to think about you know, child care. And we can get into the conversation about, as you said in the very beginning, one incident away from financial disaster. Mm-hmm. If that radiator goes out, on your 15-year-old car, you're done. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're absolutely done. But one thing you also mentioned, Scott, you we've been talking about money mm-hmm. and, and finances, but you also talked about educational resources. What other kinds of resources outside of the financial will be offered at these events? So we're actually going to have uh, kits that we have um, put together, warm weather kits for, 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 for kids and for adults um, that they can come and get. They're going to be hygiene um, kits, uh, both, both hygiene and feminine hygiene kits that folks can pick up. 
uh, there'll be a, a variety of organizations there as well that are providing enrichment and other um, resources for folks. Will we have STEM labs for kids oh, yeah. where they can come and, 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 and try their hand at, at some STEM activities? So we're really trying to reach out to and be inclusive of the entire family and focus on kids because one of the, the, the of our pillars at the United Way of National Capital Area is education, specifically middle to high school transition and then from high school to post-secondary. And so that's really near and dear to the work that we're doing because we recognize that uh, one of the things uh, that we know for sure is that education can then break that cycle uh, that we're talking about, right? Uh, and so I just want to uh, also just piggyback on what you were saying, Harold, that it really is an economy of scale, right? So it is uh, in, in a lot of ways how much you earn, but it's also what does it, how, how much does it cost to live? Mm -hmm. And that's what um, our Alice report really does point out. And, and Scott uh, mentioned that earlier, really is how expensive it is to actually live here. And so we recognize that that is a multi-generational approach to address that. And so we'll have things for, for kids, for the parents as well, and even the, the grandparents. And that was the multi-generational thing is that for, you know, the children, we really do want to, uh, you know, encourage them to come out to see our STEM program, which is going to be really cool. But also for the parents, we want to uh, let them know about legal assistance programs that are going to be there, um, education around, you know, not only just around our workforce development, but also about how they can get access to health resources, right? Like free vision and dental care and how, where resources are going to be available to them around, um, you know, youth programming, right? So that they need to find out, like you mentioned earlier about the, the challenges of the childcare, what kind of resources are going to be there that are completely and totally available to them? We do have uh, utilities that are going to be providing assistance programs and, you know, so Comcast, I think Pepco is going to be showing up. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course we have, um, we also have a couple of, Different resources are going to come through. Um, rent and mortgage assistance. Rent and mortgage assistance, well. right. They're going to be coming to help support you and give you some information about how you can be, you know, making it a little bit more, uh, easing that financial burden on you as you're going into the, the winter months. Yeah. The And again, here we go with housing. Mm -hmm. And you said in the beginning all of these all of these things you know are really tied you know tied together but for you know but if you don't have a roof over your mm -hmm. head then you are back to or worried about having a roof mm -hmm. over your head even you know that kind of of stress and concern uh, will, will be really, really problematic, particularly if you think that you may I end up in the in the next lower category of people who are really struggling to it, just to just to make it. Um, overall, I mean, if you had your your druthers, what would be the the takeaway from these events? I mean, how do you know, Ian, that after one, two, and th and number three event is over? that you've had a return on your investment, that there has been success? So we look at it in a couple of ways. Um, we talk about, you know, number of people served, right? So who came through and the resources that they were able to achieve. 
uh, or to receive, I should say. So, so how how the conversations that were had, the interactions that were had, the the folks that were were able to help on the spot, those who were were able to get information from from to follow up with later. Uh, I think that it really is about this growing over time. We know the need is there, getting the word out. Um, one of the reasons we're here today to get people to come and 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 to to you know access the resources and of course we'll have our our team there um ready to get information do do a do a um intake um from folks to to see how can we improve how did we um you know either hit the mark or where do we need to improve next year so we'll have some of that data in terms of what people are really needing um in the community and what resources uh we can add and and improve on year over year so i i think the the big takeaway is really to get these services and these resources out to the community um in the community um and and letting them know that beyond this one day there are places that they can go to um receive the the services that they need i would say that you know uh, a child walking out with a pair of gloves <laughs> and a hat and uh inspired to become a computer technician and the parents who now know where their closest clinic is, um, going to sign up for a workshop to learn about how to become a homeowner, and are registered to vote. That would, for me, would be success. Check mm. several boxes. Yep. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I, I I think that's a great place to to end this conversation. Hopefully, that we one day when. No one will show up because they don't need to show exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. That's uh, it. We, we can always aspire to that. Uh, Ian Gordon, Scott Mingabeer, thank you so much for talking to us. And as I said, the information will be on our website at whur.com after 830. Um, good luck to you on Friday and for the other two events. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Thanks Harold. Harold. Sure. Take care. That is The Daily Drum for this Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm Harold Fisher. Good night.